and welcome to the latest instalment of Global Railway Review's podcast. My name is Leah Hockley, I'm the junior editor of Global Railway Review and your host for today. Joining me on this episode is Steve White, Chief Operating Officer at Govia Thameslink Railway, the UK's largest rail franchise that operates the Southern, Thameslink, Great Northern and Gatwick Express services. Today we're going to be discussing the ways in which train stations can improve the passenger experience, as well as how train stations are changing from something to travel through to being their own destinations, and how they can become more sustainable in order to support ambitious emission reduction targets. And, of course, we will also be considering how the pandemic has forced train stations to adapt quickly in a variety of ways in order to protect those who work within and travel through them. So, Steve, first of all, I'd just like to say thank you so much for joining me today. It really is fantastic to have you here to discuss such an important topic for the industry. So I think we should start by considering um, train stations in their most basic forms, you know, as places for passengers to purchase tickets, to seek information and obviously to travel by train to wherever it is that they need to be. In order for passengers to be able to make the most of a train station, they all need to be able to use it in the same way. So this means ensuring that train stations are places that are accessible for everyone, including those with both visible and hidden disabilities. As such, how have you seen stations adapting in order to improve their accessibility? And what kind of efforts has Govia Thameslink Railway undertaken at its own stations to make them more accessible? Well, Leah, thank you for the opportunity to discuss our station portfolio with you. And um, I'm delighted you've started with the subject of accessibility. Um, So let me just share with you our vision. Our vision at GTR is that everyone can travel independently and with confidence. So I'm going to say that again. They can travel independently and with confidence. What do we mean by that? We mean that they don't need to take a carer with them. Uh, They can travel independently and, and they can complete their journey with confidence. So as they travel on our trains, they do not have to stress that they will be met if required at the end of their journey in order to have a seamless departure from our network. So that's our ambition. And we're doing lots of um, programme work to ensure that that ambition becomes a reality. We're completing literally thousands of hours of training for everybody that works in our company to understand uh, the needs of those who travel with accessibility requirements. We are uh, investing in uh, new uh, ramps to make sure that we can make the transition from platform to train everybody who is a wheelchair user. Uh, We're expanding a mobile team that provides support at uh, smaller stations and maybe unstaffed stations, which may be accessible, but where people may need help uh, with their journey. And the industry is launching an app later this summer, which will make it easier for you to book the assistance that you require and to have the confidence that your journey will be a successful one. So we're doing all of that. And at the same time, we're making sure our stations are accessible wherever that is possible. So we currently have funding in place for the next 18 stations on our network to become truly step free, which in most cases involves the installation of lifts. And that's on top of the stations that we have recently 
uh, modified to that extent. So there is no bigger program either within GTR or within the industry as the one which is designed to make our railway more accessible. That's really fantastic to hear, Steve, because obviously accessibility is an issue for every sector. And it's really great to see companies and industries becoming more inclusive. But unfortunately, it is something that is only just becoming more of a priority. You said just now that you've gained some more funding for 18 of your stations. And as well as becoming step free, is there anything else that GTR is looking to implement in order to become more accessible? Well, the the primary benefit will come through our uh, staff training once once we've re- removed those physical barriers, such as uh, whether a lift needs to be provided for a wheelchair user, the, the, the quality of the experience for those with accessibility needs really comes down then to the care and support that they have from our people. So do our colleagues understand the needs of the of visually impaired people? Do they um, recognise somebody who may be deaf and may need support? So that awareness of the needs of um, uh, passengers with accessibility uh, requirements, coupled with training to provide that support um, to the best of their ability, is really what's going to make a massive difference. So, Leah, we are doing some practical things. Some of our stations, like Haywards Heath, and Stevenage have now got braille maps so for customers who are blind or visually impaired they will have a braille map giving them the layout of the station making it easier for them to get around but those changes are complemented primarily with a massive training program of awareness empathy understanding and and providing a toolkit Um, or a skill set to allow our people to to truly help everybody make the journeys they want to make. You mentioned there um, just now that GTR staff were undertaking some new accessibility training. Do you think that this training will make a tangible difference for passengers? I'm very confident that the training that we are giving now will make a huge difference to the quality of service that we offer to those with accessibility needs. And the reason why I'm so confident is twofold. Firstly, the training is huge, it's expansive. It's literally thousands upon thousands of hours of training for 7,000 colleagues within GTR. I'm really confident also because this training is being delivered by members of our Access Advisory Board, who themselves understand firsthand what it's like to travel on the railway in the 21st century with accessibility needs, whether as a wheelchair user or a visually impaired person. And they are giving us a fabulous firsthand insight into what that is like and how we might establish their needs, not assume we know them, and we are then able to fulfil their needs to make a journey. In addition to the training that we are delivering, we've also recently recruited a new accessibility lead for GTR. The previous accessibility lead was a wheelchair user. This uh, gentleman, Carl, is a paraplegic. 
And again, his insight will help us truly understand and embark on a cultural revolution to ensure that we meet our vision of ensuring that everyone is able to travel independently and with confidence on our railway. So I'm very optimistic about the future, uh, but we've got a lot of catching up to do. Uh, but we're on a journey and we're not going to stop until we crack this. So if we continue with the passenger experience theme, there are a lot of different things that passengers are looking for in train stations at the moment. And an important one is connectivity. So obviously we're talking about things like Wi-Fi and a more seamless move from being connected at the train station to then still being connected once on board the train. Is there anything that Govia is working on at the moment to improve these features and deliver a more positive connectivity experience with passengers? Yes, I think primarily customers don't only make a, um, a journey on a train. They make a journey from normally their home to their destination, which might be in somebody else's house. It might be a sporting event. It might be their place of work. So I think it's really important, Leah, that we look at the end-to-end -end journey. And we are working on that um, with other partners uh, such as uh, bus companies or community rail partnerships to try and make the first and last mile of every journey as seamless as it possibly can be. And then when customers get to uh, the train station itself, uh, arriving by car, arriving by uh, bus or having walked or travelled by cycle or electric scooter, you know, we want to make the journey as seamless as possible from the very start. So, for example, we've we've invested significantly in additional cycle hubs, secure cycle hubs at many of our stations to promote active travel alongside the use of public transport. And when passengers come into the station, uh, we've reviewed the wayfinding. How easy is it to find your way around? Will all our stations now have Wi-Fi? So you've got uh, smart connectivity if you prefer to work with a, an app to check your next train or to make your rail um, journey. We've also invested significantly in our entire estate and what's called customer information systems. So those screens that you see when you walk into a station or when you look on a departure screen, they will show you which trains are traveling to which destinations and whether that train is on time. And on the more later ones, they give you additional functionality, such as where you might find uh, toilets on board a train. So we've invested significantly in the estate of our of our stations, particularly with regards to Wi-Fi and customer information systems. We've also, wherever we can, tried to invest in uh, pinch points of our stations. So, for example, at St Pancras, there is a longer gate line which allows a faster flow, an easier flow of customers into and out of the station so that those pinch points across our network are progressively removed as we understand customers' demand. So a lot of physical investment has occurred in order to make the passenger experience a better one and a smoother one and a more connected one. 
you mentioned there's some really key words for the industry at the moment, you know, like seamless journey, passenger information and so on. And it's kind of an expectation now, isn't it, that a train journey should be as smooth and as easy as possible. You know, you've got apps for booking tickets and looking at departure information, delays and things like that. And there's a lot of investment at the moment into digitalising passenger information in a wide variety of ways. How has GTR been working to improve and streamline things like ticketing and information services so that the experience is as easy as passengers both want and need it to be? Well, the industry's on a journey. I think rail has been, if we're honest, quite slow in recent years to adopt to uh, more modern ticketing solutions or uh, digital ways of working. But one of the silver linings of the pandemic is that it has really accelerated. Uh, the adoption of, of, of digital services. I'll give, I'll give you a little bit of an explanation of what I mean by that. So, for example, Gavia Thameslink Railway has signed a data sharing agreement with Network Rail. That means all of our data and information we share with them and vice versa. Now, with all that information, it's now increasingly possible to give customers in the palm of their hand on a smartphone information that they have never previously had. And the most recent and probably most useful example of that is that we've been able to put into journey planners information as to which our busiest trains are. So today, GTR will run over 3,000 individual trains around 100 of those will be particularly busy and social distancing may not be possible. If you plan your preferred journey on a journey planner such as our website or National Rail Inquiries, if your train is expected to be busy, that will be flagged to you and that will give you a choice whether you still wish to take that train or whether you wish to travel earlier or later. So the the beauty of the pandemic, a byproduct of the pandemic, has been that we've been able to secure more information and make it available to our customers and indeed to our colleagues to allow them to better serve our customers. And that's moving at great pace. And I expect more of that to follow in the uh, in the weeks and months ahead. Absolutely. I mean, technology has been pivotal during the pandemic. You know, it has enabled so many different things to be able to move relatively seamlessly from physical sites and interactions to working from home and things like that. Are there any other technological advancements that Govia is looking at implementing to improve its train stations? Um, There are. So the industry, uh, as the next step, will be introducing a flexible season ticket. Uh, That will be on sale from the 21st of June uh, for travel after the 28th of June. And what that is on our railway is a smart product. You can uh, buy it online or you can buy it at our ticket office, but it's on a smart card. And for customers who wish to travel perhaps two or three times a week, it will offer them a discount over and above the cost that would be incurred if they simply bought uh, daily tickets for each of their journeys. So that's an example of a new uh, product being launched to meet a need of our customers to offer them greater value for money, but actually to do so in a way that doesn't involve paper 
ticketing solutions, which is, of course, not environmentally friendly or ultimately sustainable. On a similar vein, during the lockdown period, we've been installing uh, barcode readers at many more of our stations so that if you choose the option to purchase a ticket uh, uh, on your phone, then you can use the barcode readers at many of our gate lines now to allow you through without a smart card and without a paper magnetic stripe ticket. So barcode readers and smart flexi seasons probably at the top of my mind when we think about new technology coming to our railway. And to be candid, it's not even new technology, but it's a new product that we're offering to our customers so we can make the the post-pandemic railway a more technically uh, enabled one. If we just divert slightly by picking up on your point there um, about post-pandemic travel and the flexible season ticket... Now, obviously, this is a key part of the UK government's William Shapps plan for rail, um, and it's a deliverable of the new public body that has been established, Great British Railways. This was such massive news for the UK rail industry, and it's hopefully going to revitalise what has been an incredibly fragmented sector, which has traditionally been run relatively individually for decades now. Do you think that the formation of this public body is going to support the industry in making and delivering all of these improvements that is wanted for such a long time? And do you think that we will see an improvement in the passenger experience as a result? Uh, Yes, I'm very optimistic and very confident. I think the paper was incredibly candid. You know, it, um, it didn't pull any punches on some of the shortcomings of the industry today, but it gave a very clear direction of travel that said that this government wants a more joined-up railway that gives better value for passengers, better value for taxpayers, and uh, meets the needs of our customers and our freight users. So it's, it's a document that's 116 pages long, but it's packed with um, some really strong intentions a very candid appraisal of where we are at the moment, as I said, uh, but a very clear direction of travel as to what this industry needs to do uh, to improve um, the contribution that we make to society. And I'm really optimistic about what we can achieve. Some of the things that have proven to be very difficult in a market-driven and fragmented railway, such as having brilliant websites and brilliant ticketing propositions become rather easy if you you choose to do that at a national level rather than at the level of every operating company or every owning group. Uh, And some of the cohesion that's being put in place uh, between network rail and the passenger uh, service providers and the freight uh, providers can only be welcomed. So I think William Shapps has been, a, you know, it could be a real milestone in the history, the long and proud history of our railway and really set, um, set us off in a direction where we keep some of the strengths that have come through privatisation, the ability to attract passengers and grow volume, but we balance that with the need to respect that the railway is an integrated system and it's a national asset 
and much of what we do needs to be managed as such. Uh, so to answer your question candidly, I'm very optimistic that the William Schatz review will be seen uh, in time as being pivotal to writing the next chapter in what is a proud history of an important sector. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and opinion on that, Steve, because as I say, it really is pivotal news for the industry. And it's great to hear someone like yourself speak so optimistically about it, as something like this can hopefully lead to some really positive results for the industry. Yeah, I mean, it it won't be easy, Leah. We shouldn't be under any illusion. You know, it won't be straightforward. But there is a a clear intent uh, in this document. Uh, There are some very practical uh, suggestions made which will make things better and the the vision of the William Shapps paper will be cemented in a series of of individual plans there'll be a plan for uh, the environmental impact there'll be a plan for decarbonisation there'll be a plan for improved accessibility so the combination of this end state vision and the uh, reorganisation of the railways with the creation of great uh, British railways, coupled with detailed plans of how individual elements will perform, should be a very strong combination indeed. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And hopefully over the next few months, as we gain some more information about it and we start to see some more concrete actions being taken, I think that the industry is really going to benefit from it. So, yeah, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And it's hopefully the start of a really brilliant future for the UK rail industry. So if we just take a step back there from that slight diversion and um, return to our original discussion, if we're considering that train stations act as spaces relatively similar to airport terminals, obviously stations are used by multiple train operating companies at the same time. What is it like having to share these spaces with other companies who are operating along the same parts of the network and from the same train station? At larger stations, it's normal to find... um, several brands operating side by side. So if you go to Victoria Station, for example, you'll find the Gatwick Express, Southern and Southeastern services all being provided from a single location uh, in a station that's actually managed by Network Rail. Now, the industry has identified that we do not want that to be confusing to passengers and for Um, customers arriving at the station they want help irrespective of the brand they choose to travel on so the railway has been developing a concept known as one team so the victoria station colleagues have a common uniform a nice purple which doesn't represent the brand in any individual brand but is identifiable as a railway employee at a single location there to help all passengers and this one team approach running the station in an integrated fashion helping every customer that goes through that comes through the door irrespective of the brand they wish to travel on is very much something that we see as the way forward it's something that's referred to in the Uh, Williams Shapps uh, review. There's a fabulous photo of some of the people from that station um, within the report. But that's an example, Leah, of the industry 
working together between network rail and multiple train operators for the benefit of the passengers, putting aside our own differences as to the particular company that we work for. If we carry on along that theme of for the benefit of the passenger and working together despite differences, obviously a lot of GTR's companies do operate trains into and out of London. How easy is it for passengers to be able to interchange between Govia Thames Inc Railway and Transport for London stations? That's really important for a lot of um, a lot of customers. We're trying to make it as seamless as possible for people to make the journey from their front door to their ultimate destination, irrespective of the different modes they might wish to use. So therefore, the, the interchange between what we call national rail, the train operating companies, and Transport for London itself really does need to be as easy as possible. Um, a couple of things are happening in that space. Obviously, on a from a ticketing point of view, we've now introduced pay-as-you-go contactless ticketing on more of our stations within the M25 area so that travel from and around London becomes just simpler uh, for our customers. But physically, at the stations themselves, there's still um, more that we can do. So if you take stations like Finsbury Park or Blackfriars, where you can travel on Thameslink, but then switch to the underground and vice versa, what we're doing at each of those stations, the top 37 interchange stations in London, we're walking around those stations with the station manager from the National Rail uh, team and the station manager from London Underground or TFL and we're just walking around those stations putting ourselves uh, in the eyes of the passenger how easy it is it to see if you arrive by one mode of transport where you need to go to connect to the next one is the wayfinding clear is the signage good is there really good information uh, showing when the next destinations um will be uh, will be served so we are doing active collaboration between network rail uh, the rail delivery group and transport for london to make those interchanges as seamless as possible our ambition is that customers traveling in and around london will see the most joined up proposition in a generation between national rail and Transport for London, and they will feel that we've all put them first and we are focused on making their journey as seamless as possible, even when switching between National Rail and the Underground and vice versa, or National Rail and the bus systems, or vice versa. So I'm really excited by that. I think we've been in our silos too long, And we're now actively engaging to get this right from the customer, uh, for the customer, from door to door. So if we just take a moment to consider train stations as a physical space, I mean, some of them are really quite expensive. Stations in places like London and other cities across the UK can be really significant structures that feature so many different facilities. And a lot of them are even looking to expand both in terms of physical space, but also in regards to what they offer. I mean, it can range from something like a small cafe to proper restaurants and shops and things like that. 
How do you think train stations are changing and developing from just something to travel through in order to catch a train to being places that are inviting enough to encourage passengers to arrive early or even just to being destinations in their own right? Well, uh, the estate across our railways is just so huge and varied, isn't it? So at the at the larger end of the scale, you know, the, the major stations in this country are all managed by Network Rail. And some of those have become amazing destinations, haven't they? Um, uh, St Pancras and King's Cross are unrecognisable, you know, from the stations that we had 20 years ago. You're absolutely right. They've become destinations in their own uh, right, a place you can shop, a place you can eat, a place you can socialise and meet uh, friends and colleagues. So those destination stations, particularly the larger stations, um, you know, are really quite breathtaking. Um, the most recent transformation was uh, obviously Birmingham New Street, which is not on our network, but again was a was a symbol of the ambition that Network Rail have shown on their major stations. Uh, but I think we're equally proud of many of the smaller stations that, that form a place in the local community. And to your point, we can see stations having a different role in the future. Maybe fewer people will wish to travel every day to work in central London, and they may wish to work in more regional hubs. Um, so a station that had a place for people to meet, socialise, uh, do a day's work together, I think uh, it could be something that we haven't done in the past, but very much could be of value to customers in the future. I was also very, very proud that during the pandemic, we set up mental health hubs, drop-in centres at two of our stations on the south coast. So treat the station as a community asset give it over to experts for a day, a week, a month, however long, and let them use it for something that the community will benefit from. So I, I see us increasingly looking to understand the role that the local station plays in the local environment and have a very open mind about their future purpose. Um, and I think that's exciting. It helps put railways back at the heart of the community, which is uh, where they've often been over the course of the last 150 years. Absolutely. And I mean, community really is so important. And it's nice when people living in the surrounding area do welcome the train station as something that benefits the community rather than putting it at a disadvantage. For example, some stations that are quite expansive buildings, but even the small ones, they are full of so many facilities and amenities that in a pre-pandemic situation would have welcomed thousands of passengers on a daily basis for a wide range of reasons. And this must raise a lot of questions for the surrounding community regarding sustainability and the impact of the station on the local environment. Now, obviously, the UK as a whole, but also the UK rail industry specifically, have some rather ambitious emission reduction targets. So how are train stations working to support these targets and how are they working to become more sustainable in their own way? I think the first thing I would uh, comment on is just how uh, green rail as a mode of transport is. So let's start with the big picture of rail and then focus in down onto the stations. Um, we saw during the pandemic 
uh, when uh, road travel was severely uh, reduced, particularly in that first lockdown, what an immediate benefit that had on air quality uh, for many um, uh, residents and, and for the UK population. What we've seen as the lockdowns have eased is that road uh, travel is almost back to pre-pandemic level and rail travel back to about 45%. Now, that should concern everyone that's listening to this because we we must adopt a green approach to recovery. It is not acceptable that we create high levels of pollution or try and rebuild our economy uh, based primarily on, on road traffic. So the first thing I would say is rail should and public transport per se should be part of any green recovery. And we know, Leah, there are a whole generation of environmentally aware passengers who will choose whether to make a journey or not based on the uh, environmental impact of their choice. And they will choose a mode of transport that is most environmentally friendly. And the truth is a 12-car electric train yesterday afternoon carried just over a 1,000 people from Brighton on the coast back to London. And that is an incredibly environmentally friendly way of moving so many people for the journeys they wish to make. So the good news is rail travel is green um, travel. What can we do to make it even greener? Well, firstly, we can do something called traction decarbonisation, which is to replace diesel trains with either more electric trains or battery trains or hydrogen trains so that we can reduce those emissions. Secondly, for the electric railway, we can use clean green energy to power our electric railway. So we are actively looking at uh, ways to do that. And down on the south coast, near Eastbourne, there's a company called Riding Sunbeams, which is a fabulous name. But they are installing an array of, um, of uh, solar panels that will be contributing to powering the third rail on the southern region to make that an increasingly sustainable means of travel. So the, the, the most we can do in rail to make it green is remove our diesels and decarbonise the supply for our electrics. As we focus in on the stations, though, we've got an agenda which is seeking to reduce the waste at our stations. Let's use less water. Let's create less waste. Let's uh, make sure our waste is recyclable and not going to uh, land slip and ensure that we're able to provide a environment which uses the minimum amount of, of material and is the most sustainable uh, across our station's estate as well. So the combination of the, the macro and the micro will really help to ensure that uh, rail becomes the, you know, a genuinely green form of travel. 
So with rail spearheading the efforts to deliver upon such significant emission reduction targets, and even though it is the lowest carbon emitter, it is still trying to make that effort to become more green and to really reduce those emissions to the smallest that they can be. In what way can train stations play a role in this? The biggest thing that train stations can actually do is encourage customers to come to their station, park their car and then get on the train. Because the fastest way to improve the sustainability and move towards net zero is to take people off of cars and put them onto public transport. So that is that we shouldn't forget that, Leah, that will make more difference than everything else put together. But in the stations themselves, to specifically answer your uh, point, we will be seeking to reduce the carbon footprint of stations by, for example, use of solar panels, uh, technology to reduce um, electricity consumption, such as LED lighting, uh, smarter heating and ventilation systems that are more efficient and use less energy and create less waste, and more recycling so that we can recycle uh, water. We do rainwater harvesting, for example, on some of our stations, and we uh, create less waste to go to landfill. So we have a very active uh, green agenda across our estate, but the single biggest improvement we can make is to be so attractive that our customers will leave their cars at home or at the railway station and travel by train. Absolutely. I mean, it really is so important. Personally, I certainly take every opportunity to travel by train when I can. I'm not too far away from London, so it's quite an easy journey for me. And I love it. I love jumping on a train. I don't really see an issue with it. And knowing that it does contribute in such a significant way to sustainability and those emission reduction targets is really important for me. And I think that it would be really great to see more promotion of the industry's green credentials as much as possible and more work to try and get more people to gain that mindset as well. So, you know, it's so fantastic to see the industry undertaking all of these efforts and hopefully delivering a really positive result at the end of it. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. And, And to be honest, there's a whole generation of people that, you know, have either chosen never to learn to drive or don't own a car. Because if you live within the M25 in central London, it might not make sense to have a car. You know, you can have an Oyster card or a contactless card, travel all over London on your local train service, such as Southern Metro, or on Transport for London. You don't need a car and all the challenges that come with that, you know, the expense and the air pollution. And even when we move to electric vehicles, which, of course, are much more environmentally friendly, there is still a limit to how many electric vehicles can fit on the road network and still allow the economy to flourish and people make the journeys they want to. So we do support um, the use of electric cars. We are uh, installing uh, further EV charging points at some of our stations to make it as seamless as possible for someone to drive uh, by electric vehicle, park up at the station and leave their car, but then make the majority of their journey by train. Uh, But I agree with you, you know, the train is so much more environmentally friendly 
than the car is. Uh, and of course, our bus colleagues in Go Ahead, uh, they have the same ambition. You know, you can put 75 people on a bus in the way that you might only put five people in a car and buses are increasingly environmentally friendly. Uh, there are hydrogen buses, there are solar panel buses, there are battery operated buses. So public transport really is the future. If we want a vibrant economy with people making the journeys they want to make when they want to make them, uh, but without sustainable impact on the environment. You know, it's the, it's really the only way out of this pandemic. Most definitely. And I'm so glad that you mentioned the pandemic there, just because as we come to the end of the podcast today, I feel like it would be slightly foolish to not discuss the pandemic in a bit more depth, because it has had such an incredibly, unfortunately, negative impact on the rail industry. And as you said earlier, obviously, there have been some small silver linings, such as the acceleration of some types of developments and things like that. But overall, it has unfortunately essentially brought the industry to a complete halt. However, quite early on and sort of continuously over the past year and a half, we have seen train stations really act so quickly and successfully to adapt their sites to make sure that they are as safe as possible, both for the people that work inside them and also for the people that travel through them, as well as to accommodate passengers like key workers who still needed to travel. How have GTR train stations adapted during the pandemic in terms of things like COVID safety measures or even just trying to promote a safe railway? And what do you think the future holds for post-pandemic travel? Well, they've they've adapted uh, to the pandemic really first and foremost to make sure our colleagues and our customers are safe. So the the most tangible manifestation of that has been the introduction of powerful virucides. So this is a a um, a way of ensuring that if there's coronavirus present. Uh, on a surface, it is instantly killed uh, by by uh, these virucides. So every 21 days, we spray our trains and our stations uh, with this virucide. And I see that continuing indefinitely because actually it's good for, for killing off common colds and other bacteria that is just found in society. So the truth is our stations have never been cleaner and more hygienic and independent laboratory tests have never found um, the presence of coronavirus either at a station or on one of our trains. So that uh, standard of cleanliness and that level of protection is here to stay. Uh, but that's a, a hygiene or a safety issue. In many respects, though, the last 15 months have been a tremendous opportunity for stations because with far fewer passengers travelling through them, we've taken the opportunity to do more work um, making those stations better for our customers when they do return. And that's at, um, at the large end of the scale and also at the smaller end of the scale. At the large end of the station, Gatwick Airport Station has been fundamentally remodelled. It will be larger, uh, fit for the 21st century, and it will benefit from a £150 million investment. And that scheme is in full flight, and we've been able to actually accelerate the work during lockdown. 
taking advantage of fewer passengers. Um, at King's Cross, all of the tracks signalling power supplies and drainage have been renewed at that key London station, and that work will be completed uh, on the 7th of June, and that work has also been brought forward because of the pandemic. At a local level, uh, GTR has done over 1,000 small station improvements, everything from fitting defibrillators to local artwork to installing beehives to adding more shelters on platforms, new seating, new customer information systems, refurbishment of toilets, refurbishment of waiting rooms. Over a thousand improvements have been made to our stations following consultation with passengers and user groups. And though that work has, has proceeded at pace throughout the uh, pandemic and will be concluded later this year. But many of our stations have had some wonderful work done. We've listened to what our customers most wanted. We've put those changes in place. And if customers are starting to come back to the railways now, they will be very pleasantly surprised to see many of the changes that have taken place while they have been away. It really is fantastic to hear that although the pandemic has hit the industry so hard, rail has managed to make the most of such a bad situation. And hopefully upon their return, as you say, passengers will be really pleased to see those developments. And hopefully this will see more people returning and choosing to take a train rather than jump in a car and subsequently deliver so many positive results for the industry following such a difficult time. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode today. Thank you so much for joining me, Steve, as it was great to hear your thoughts on station developments and all of the valuable work that Govia Thameslink Railway is doing to improve its stations and to make the passenger experience even more positive. Thanks for the opportunity to discuss with you uh, today. To be honest, we are very, very proud of the railway family and how it has served the nation during this pandemic. But we're equally optimistic about the future. The William Shapps Review gives us the opportunity to build back better, to build back greener and to build back faster. And as an industry and as a company, we are determined to take advantage of that opportunity and to give passengers on our railway the experience they truly deserve. So thank you for the opportunity to discuss that with you. Thank you so much, Steve. So just a quick message for our audience. Please do make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on our future podcasts. These will be available on our website, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you would normally listen to them. Please do make sure to also subscribe to Global Railway Review to receive a free copy of our magazine and to join in on our conversations across our social media channels. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today and I look forward to welcoming you to a future podcast. Thank you and goodbye. Mm -hmm.